This show is a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. Enjoy the show. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Occasionally. Sparky, have you gone and seen Avengers yet? I have not. It's been out for like two days. I went to the first showing. Which, of course, everybody should do, right? It's actually the first time I've gone to the first showing of something in a long, long time. And I got kind of a good story with this, too. You ready for this? I'm ready. So, uh, a while back, my cousin, who lives uh, in the same town as me, uh, he tells me that he's planning on going to see Avengers Endgame with uh, a couple people from work, a couple friends of his. So I said, hey, I'll go, too. So he says, okay, we'll get tickets. So... You know, I say, should uh, should I get my own ticket or, or, or you know, you, we just some one person going to buy them all, you know? So he's like, I'll, I'll get them. And uh, time passes. And then I see him tweet one day about how he got tickets to the first showing of Avengers Endgame. And he almost missed it because he forgot. And he oh. happened to go and look right when they went on sale. And he was able to snag some because they sold out quick. And so I, I text him and say, did you get me a ticket? He texts me back and he says, yes. So, you know, time passes. We get to the day to go see it. I had a meeting that day down in uh, down in Portland. And I come back from the meeting, go to his house. And we're driving in the movie theater. And he tells me that, uh, you know, that, that day I just mentioned, you know, I told a little story about. Well, I texted him, did you get me a ticket? And he texted back, Yes. And then he went, oh, crap. And he went back online to buy me a ticket. <laughs> yeah. But he couldn't buy just one. There were two seats next to us, but he couldn't buy just one because they don't let you do that when you buy tickets online. If there's two seats like that, you got to buy them both. You can't pick one seat huh. like that, right? Uh, so he goes, crap, what am I going to do? So he, he just buys both of them. Mm-hmm. So now he's got an extra ticket. There's uh, So he has six tickets with four people planned to go. And I'm sorry, with five people plan to go. And then his son, who is going to go, gets into trouble because he's not being responsible at school and whatnot. Yeah. Now he's got two extra tickets. And uh, long story short, he ended up uh, a couple people kind of got inappropriately invited. Somebody else invited them to take those two tickets, but he moved the other two tickets. So it all worked out well. But I just thought it was hilarious. I texted him. He said, "Yep, I got your ticket," but mm-hmm. he didn't. But he went and got it then. So uh, it was. It's lucky that that I was able to go see that first showing, uh, because all it would have taken is probably a couple of minutes, and those tickets would have been gone. And oh yeah, then I would have been gone. But I won't talk much about the movie. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think it's hard for me to say anything about it that wouldn't give at least something away. Like, there's one aspect of it that I, I want to comment on that has nothing to do with the story. Mm-hmm. But I know that if somebody told me this before I went, I would have been irritated because it would have given just a little aspect of something away. And I don't mm. want to do that. I'm kind of tempted to just say we needed to give a spoiler warning and you spoil it for me because it's going to be a while before I get to see it. Uh, that's fine. No spoiler warning. We're gonna save it. I don't care. If okay. It okay. Waits till you see it on on Redbox. You know. But but we'll you talk about it after you see it. Yeah. But you thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, one thing that is no secret is that it's long. It's three hours long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
It definitely... I don't think that you could have liked any of the, the existing Marvel movies and not be satisfied with this. I think that's the best way to put it. Hmm. How did you like it compared to Captain Marvel? It's a different kind of movie. Okay. I think it's, it's kind of hard to say. I compare Captain Marvel to the first Avengers movie where I watched them and just beginning to end, I liked every minute of it. This is kind of different. I mean, once a movie's three hours, there there's going to be high points and low points and, you know, slow points and quick points and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I definitely enjoyed it. And there's some movies I could be like, yeah, that was good. Like Doctor Strange. Yeah, that was fine. You know, I watched it. I don't regret watching it. I might watch it again someday, but... Um, it definitely is good, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I was talking with my wife the other day about how this was coming out, and she's been seeing stuff about how people are excited to watch it. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, last time we talked, I talked about how I had not seen a lot of the more recent ones, you know? Um, so I made out a list. I found a list of how to, how to watch them in the order that they're like the timeline goes. Captain America, the first Avenger, set in the 1940s where it begins being set in the 1940s. Uh, I think Captain Marvel is supposed to be set like in the mid-90s. And then I was going through, trying to pick out, okay, Avengers, Iron Man 3, saw those. I haven't seen, I've seen both Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I haven't seen the Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, I have not seen Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, or Infinity War. Well, you got uh, Netflix, don't you? Yeah. Are they uh, all available? Ragnarok and Infinity War. Yeah, well, not all of them, but some of them. Ragnarok, Infinity War, those are both on Netflix. If uh, I Black just, Panther, Doctor Strange. I've seen Strange. Black Panther, Doctor Strange. If I see Age of Ultron and Infinity War, could I follow this? You don't even need Age of Ultron. If you watch Infinity War, you'll be fine. Okay. Sounds if good. you didn't watch Infinity War, you'd probably be very confused at the beginning and then not care at a certain point. So, oh, okay. Uh, the beginning would probably be pretty, uh, pretty confusing though. Um, but yeah, watch, watch Infinity War and then you'll be set. You really don't need anything else to, to have a good lead into this movie. We tried yeah, those, to watch, we tried to watch, uh, Will Ferrell's, uh, one of his most recent movies that Holmes and Watson <laughs> last night. And we got about 15 minutes into it. My, my wife just wasn't having it. She's like, I, just saw, not- <laughs> I saw that was available on Redbox, and I remembered knowing it existed, but that was literally all I remembered. And typically we would like a movie with those guys in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I call my wife and I was like, Hey, this movie's on Redbox. Do you want me to get it? And she says, that's the movie that people were literally walking out of the theater on. So I said, okay, I won't get it then. <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, and the thing is, I love Sherlock Holmes. I love every you know iteration of the the books, the movies, the TV series. I've watched all that stuff. And I want to know Will Ferrell. What's the other guy's name? I can't remember his name. Uh, is it John C. Riley? Yeah, John C. Riley. Love him. And I was like, how can this be bad? But we never got around to seeing it, and then we, I rented it, and we started it, and it's like, you know, I see why, you know, it's got like an 11%, and I don't put much stock in like Rotten Tomatoes, but it had like an 11% uh, critics and 27% on the uh, audience, and it's like, yeah, something just didn't ring right about it. I'm going to watch it someday. Last night was just not the night. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I am looking forward to John C. Riley's uh, watching the one that he did about the uh, life of Laurel and Hardy. Oh, that sounds because there was a preview of it on the DVD that we rented, and it looks amazing. He looks amazing as uh, I guess he's he's playing a. I get him mixed up all the time. I, I think he's Hart. No, he's Laurel. I get him mixed up which one is which. He's the heavier set guy with the mustache. And yeah, it looks like a really, really, <laughs> really, it's, I can tell just from watching the trailer that it is going to be a completely different experience than watching uh, Holmes and Watson. So. <laughs> so, so far we have two movies we can't really talk about that we're talking about. Right. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell a story about going to see the movie that has nothing to do with seeing the movie. Like, obviously, everybody knows the hype that's with this movie and the, uh, the urgency that people have to see it. So we go, somebody brought a baby to this movie. I mean, granted, it's 6 p.m. It's not like it's any kind of absurd time, but you don't bring a baby to a movie, period. Maybe a kid's movie, but, uh, like, to an, a movie that's meant for not kids. It's just it's stupid and selfish. Like mm-hmm. you're a parent, I'm a parent. We both know that when you become a parent, I don't care how much you want to see that movie, you lost the right to just freely go see it when you had that baby. So the baby's making baby noises, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, people are obviously irritated. You know, like scoffing, come on, you know, stuff like that. You know, baby kind of quiets down for a minute, and then uh, the baby starts making noise again. And people are like, come on, take the baby out of here. So finally, the the mom says, if you say one more thing about my baby, I'm going to knock your teeth down your throat. Oh, which okay. I thought was hilarious because you know what? Nobody's saying something about the baby. They're saying something about you because you're a stupid piece of garbage for bringing mm-hmm. a baby to a movie. And then to act like they're they're insulting your baby. They're not insulting your baby. They're insulting you. You're stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the guy's like, I'm going to go tell the manager because you threatened me. Um which was interesting. But so like, I was sitting there watching the movie and it's not only that it's distracting, but like I start to like have anxiety. Cause I'm like, I, I don't want this confrontation. You know, it's like, right. it, as I mentioned, it's rare that I get to go see a movie, let alone a first showing of a movie like that. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't want that anyways, but then the anxiety was just unpleasant. So the, the guy goes out. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they got kicked out of the theater. I don't know if the baby just fell asleep. But the baby didn't really make any noise after that. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience. Um, oh man, there's something else I was going to say, but I don't think I should because even though it wouldn't really be a spoiler, I still like, I don't even want to hint at any of the things that could possibly be in this movie. So, uh, but that, that was the interesting story, uh, aside from the ticket purchase story with my experience. So let's yeah. shift off the movies entirely. You tried something new today. What did you try? I did. After the last uh, conversation we had with your experience with sardines, I went to the store um, over Easter weekend, getting stuff ready for for that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I grabbed a couple of cans of sardines, two different kinds. And I kind of cheated. The one I tried tonight is um, King Oscar wild caught sardines. And I cheated, I'd say, because it's, uh, it's canned in tapatio hot sauce, which is like a Mexican spicy sauce. Thinking, okay, if I hate this or if it's terrible, at least the sauce will help me, you know, endure it. And then I was like, told my wife, I said, hey, we're about to record. 
why don't you and I taste test this on the air while we're recording and it'll be like, it'll be funny. And she's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm like, well, okay, let's just, let's just do it. Will you please try it with me? So I get the can, crack it open, put it on a plate. And I gotta say, just the, <laughs> just the side is, it's one of the most unappealing things you can ever see. And plus mine is covered in this red sauce. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. I'm, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be adventurous. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, not be judgmental about it. And I, I, I was like, I got a, like, little cracker, put a, some on it. And I was like, here, you try it with me. She said, no, you go first. Okay. I took a bite. And it's not, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't like good. I don't know what my, I don't know the, the taste of it was so, it tastes like fish. But not any fish I've ever eaten before. It's just weird. And then I, I ate like some more bites and finally got her to try a little bit. And she immediately was like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> so she, her, she wouldn't, my daughter wouldn't even get near it. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, I, I got another can and I think I'm going to try to prepare it. I think I'm actually going to try to like fry it or something. Cause my wife looked up and said, you can fry it. You can, uh, you can actually cook them. Uh, that might, uh, help a little bit so i'm gonna i'm gonna try it again but and it might just be the brand i got uh cooked they're already cooked no i know but you can like uh prepare them a little bit different yeah so i I know they're steamed or deep fried already in the factory i I think i i tried uh just you know regular sardines obviously i can't have the hot sauce but uh I know what like Martin was saying that he likes to get the ones with the hot sauce, and I think he even said another kind, uh, mustard ones or something like that. And he just throws them on a salad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first can of sardines I got had like, you know, it looked like a fish. It like it it uh it looked quite quite different. The second can, the ones my wife got, were a little more processed. Like the first ones, the heads were cut off. I think that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, the second ones, like they, they looked a little more visually palatable. Um, but really, I just, I just thought like it's not terribly different than tuna. Like a, a little, a little bit different taste and maybe a little, uh, I don't know, fattier, so a little more oily, you know? But, uh, yeah, she made me, um, I guess like a pate, you would say a paste or mm-hmm. whatever. I mm-hmm. uh, just basically blended it up with some, you know, olive oil and lemon juice and whatever she found a recipe for it. Um, and that was edible. Um, the problem with it was it was kind of dry and mm-hmm. that, that made it harder to eat than anything. Uh, but then I, I was like, I gotta try something to, to eat this, not just let it sit here. So I actually just mixed a little bit of mayonnaise into it. Cause I was like, well, that's what you would do with tuna. Yeah. I just knew I needed to, you know, give it, um, you know, a little more moisture. And then I ate it on crackers with some cheese, and it actually went down pretty easy. It's funny, though, when I opened up the container, my cat just, like, she was laying on the couch by my wife, and she just, like, popped up and was looking around trying to figure <laughs> out where the smell's coming from. Oh, yeah. It was hilarious. I've, I've never seen that. That's, that's like something out of a cartoon, you know? You, like, open a can of tuna, and a cat, you know, flips out about it. That's exactly what happened, pretty much. I opened the container that I had these the sardine paste in, and she just got all kinds of interested. Well, the nut- reading about the nutritional value, it's like so good for you. 
just the protein yeah. and the like omega uh, the fatty acids and the yeah. different vitamins in it. It's so loaded down. It's so good. I can see, and plus it's cheap. You know, you know, yeah, it's not much. something I'm going to. How much protein you're getting? A little on the other things, the omega threes and stuff. Plus, there's um, there's no mercury because. Uh, because they're, I think because they're bottom feeders, so they're not out there like eating the things that cause mercury to build mm-hmm, up in fish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so you have those pluses. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like two bucks a can. When you, when you look at all the nutritional value you're getting, it's definitely worth it. Not necessarily something I'm going to like wake up craving, but it's something that's, uh, I've tried it and um, I'm, I'm very proud of myself because my wife tells me that I, I need to be more adventurous with what I eat. <laughs> yeah, I tried it, and uh, then I realized I had the same amount of protein as a packet of tuna. And I told my wife, "It's like there's no reason for me to eat sardines." And she's looking up on her phone, like, "No, there's a ton of reasons why you should eat sardines. It's not just protein." And then she's pretty much forcing me to eat sardines now. That's the good thing with my wife is she will just be like, "Yeah, you, you need to eat this, so you're going to." And then she buys it, and she makes me eat it pretty much. So. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I guess sardines will not be an everyday thing, but they will be something that, uh, I will get used to. On a more appealing note, I smoked a brisket for Easter, which was perfect. And then uh, today I was wondering like, what would a steak taste like smoked? So I looked up a little recipe and I prepared it pretty much the same way I did the brisket. It's just salt, coarse salt, coarse pepper, uh, cooked it for a lot uh, less time than it would a big brisket and it turned out so good and in fact we even smoked potatoes like you would do a baked potato and uh corn and mm-hmm. just the flavor that gets imbued in that with uh with the the smoke is just so good uh, i loved it yeah i gotta admit though when you said that you smoked something my mind went in a totally different place for a minute there oh yeah brisket i was like oh yeah okay i remember you talking about that now yeah, I didn't smoke it. I... <laughs> so that would be a <laughs> so different hard to experience. light the damn things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got the burn ends, but yeah. Uh, just like when you try to light a cigarette backwards, just can't get it going. <laughs> no, that would be bad. Ah oh, man, so what else is new? You Maybe read uh, you read the bell jar. I so yeah, I did read the bell jar. I was in pro- in progress last time we recorded, and I was going to talk about it, and I finished it up afterwards. So, and I also, I started a book that was recommended to me, uh, by our friend Rob Krieger. Uh, it's a, I don't know, I guess sci-fi book. Um, but it's, it's popular fiction, which there's a difference to popular fiction. You know, they, uh, they, they take easy ways to build the characters very quickly because that's what they got to do. It's just like, you know, you watch a TV show, they got to make you know what's going on and what you should feel right away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just thinking about it because I've been working on reading this book that Rob recommended called The Passage. And like it's definitely decent, but I'm just kind of dragging along in it. And there's things that they, they do to, you know, to build the characters or build the story that I'm like, that's cheap, you know, but that's what they do. I know that. Like I've read popular fiction before. But then I was thinking back to the the Bell Jar, which content wise, the Bell Jar has less for me to be interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you just look, it's, you know, it's about uh, a young girl, uh, like college age girl who's losing it basically. 
And like I start reading this book and, and the person who re- recommended it to me, like I'm reading it and it's very much about fashion at the beginning and very like n- nothing like the personality of this person who recommended it, who said it's their favorite book. So I texted them. It's like, I'm reading this. What, what makes this your favorite book? And, uh, you know, she says that it's how descriptive it is. Like you read, you read this book and just the description, even if you don't care anything about what's being described, the descriptions are just so vivid mm-hmm. that it just is enthralling. And I mean, that describes the book pretty well. That's definitely what makes that book stand out from other stuff. Um, so yeah, reading, working on reading the passage some. And I, I don't know, I, I may take a pause on the passage and try to pick it back up again a, a little bit later. Watch the, um, uh, I remember seeing that book. I've not read it. What's the kind of setup for that book? The passage. I'm not 100% sure. They made a TV series out of it. It's written by Justin Cronin. Something about vampires. Oh, okay. I don't, but I am, so I will say that I'm reading it and. When I was a kid, I read Jurassic Park. I, I I read the book. I watched the movie. I loved it. Oh, yeah. And as I said, the things that I can kind of complain about with popular fiction, I remember reading Jurassic Park, and those same things are in there, you know? Like, that's just what popular fiction is like. Uh, so I just don't think I'm quite in the mood for it right now. But I think when I'm in the mood for it, it'll be a good read, you know? Oh, yeah. There's lots of books I've picked up and tried to start. And sat down like two or three times, and like the fourth time, it, I was just in the right place, and I ended up loving it. So yeah, kind of be, goes along with where you're at in your headspace, right? What you're wanting to get into. Yeah. At the same time, I was already reading. Uh, like, I have all these books building up on my bookshelf, and I, th- I have some books I've had for years that I bought brand new and haven't cracked. So I finally picked one of them up and started reading it. It's a, a autobiography of Bob Backlund, and uh, he is a uh, a wrestling legend. He held the the WWF title back when it was the WWWF, uh, before it was WWE. Certainly, mm-hmm. uh, he held the title for almost six years. He he won it from Bruno San Martino. Lost it to uh, Superstar Billy Graham, who held it for a little bit, and then Bob Backlund won it. And Bob Backlund carried it for a long time. And this was in the days when it wasn't. The current Vince McMahon running things, it was his dad. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, he was the, the all American boy, you know, the, the clean cut, you know, all American boy. And that's what, what they wanted. That's, you know, what champions were back then. And he held it for almost six years. He lost it to the Iron Sheik the day after Christmas, if I remember correctly. And his manager threw in the towel so that the Iron Sheik had him in the camel clutch and Bob Backlund wouldn't submit. His manager threw in the towel to save his career. And that was the end of his title reign. And then shortly thereafter, Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik for the title. And that was when Hulkamania was born. Yeah. Uh, and then Bob Backlund disappeared for a long time. He made a comeback in the 90s. But he just, like, it wasn't his time and place anymore. Like, his his old style didn't fit. But he reinvented himself into this different character and actually got over pretty well. And he had a feud with Bret Hart, and he actually beat Bret Hart for the championship uh, and held it briefly before losing it with a kick and a powerbomb to Diesel. Uh, But, yeah, this book is just fascinating uh, because, like, I've always known who Bob Backlund is, 
And when I saw this book, I was like, this is going to be a good one because he's somebody that 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 was when I started watching wrestling was basically when he made his comeback and he was just this like kind of boring veteran. You know, this guy who was uh, I think then he was about 40 and, you know, it's like you knew that he was somebody you knew that he was a champion, but he did just didn't look like anybody that would be over. Right. And uh so when I saw this book and just, you know, knowing what I do about wrestling and, you know, I've read some books and stuff like that. It's like, this is the kind of book that's going to be way more interesting because like everything interesting about him is the stuff that no, like, I don't know, you know, it's not the stuff that I saw. Whereas like the bigger stars nowadays, you probably know more than you don't. Yeah. Yeah. So I started reading it and it certainly was interesting reading about his childhood and I'm still, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm deep enough into the book that it's not nothing. Um, but I know I'm, I, I don't think I'm a hundred pages in yet, but I know I'm over 50 pages in, but like it's gone through his childhood. Um, and boy, did he have a rough childhood and like, not only did he really like drive himself to where he is, but he almost didn't like he was in a bad place in life and that almost was the end of the story. But then just a couple of things happened the right way to get him in the right direction. And it's just amazing to see that, you know, these these little things gave him the opportunity to, to move himself in the right direction instead of the wrong direction. And he took those opportunities and, uh, completely changed his life. So right now I'm, uh, I'm at the point where he's gotten into wrestling. He wrestled in one territory and just basically jobbed out for everybody and, um, got experience, but didn't really, you know, it was really hard on him. Then he got the opportunity to move to another territory that was much better. He got uh, a lot more experience, but he also was um, given success there. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just at the part where he just moved to another territory, and so I'm just kind of getting going there. Uh, but it's it's very interesting because it's all before like what modern wrestling is. You know, when yeah. it, it was in the days of the territories, not where you know everything is exposed everywhere all the time. You know, yeah. so that book's been really good. And then aside from that, I've been trying to read. Um, East of West. So I started reading East of West, the comic series, um, when it first came out. I got the first issue, uh, you know, as, as a, a floppy off the, the shelf. And I read it for a while that way. And then I decided, well, I think I'd prefer to read this in, you know, in trade instead of reading individual issues. Mm-hmm. So I, I dropped it and I just kind of never got back to it. This is years now. So it's just kind of been years I haven't read it. And then at some point there was an image sale and I picked up everything they had available. And then a while later, I still hadn't read it and I picked up what else was available during another sale. So I finally said, you know what? I'm just going to start at the beginning again. I'm going to read this. And I started, I read the first trade again, which even though this is at least the third, if not the fourth time I've read the first trade, Mm -hmm. because I keep on starting it and aborting, uh, it still was good. Like it still was interesting. That first trade is very good. And then I got into the second trade, and for a few issues, I was like, I still know I read this, but I really don't remember at all what happened. But as I'm reading it, I know I read it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've gotten past that now to the point where I haven't read it. So, it you know, it's better and better, basically, because now I'm completely in the dark on what's going on. Um, but yeah, so I guess, I guess East of West doesn't have a whole lot left before it's over. I, I bought the eighth trade that was on sale... The ninth trade is coming out soon. There are still some individual issues coming out soon, but I, I'm guessing that the tenth trade will be the end of the series. 
So I want to get all caught up so that way kind of as, a, as we get to the end of it, I can uh, pick up that last trade and finish the series up. So that's been good. Yeah, I, I think I've read the first... I know I read the first two trades. I think I've read the first three trades of East and West, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. It's something I need to get back into someday. And I remember the art being really, really good. It's a different style than a lot of the stuff I read normally. Yeah, I I, I like the art style a lot. Um, I think it's Jonathan Hickman is the yeah Jonathan Hickman. The I can't talk. Jonathan Hickman. And then uh, the artist is Nick Dragota. Uh, and that was, I, I mean, I believe that's the first place I knew him, but he, I know he's done some other stuff that I've liked too. Yeah. You're talking about the the wrestling autobiography. The only wrestling autobiography I think I've ever read was Mick Foley's. Yeah, I've read four of his books. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. Uh, yeah. Really, really sharp guy. But, God, he's been through some hell. Yeah, he's uh my first memory of ever watching wrestling was actually him. He was in an angle in WCW with Big Van Vader, where Vader had power bombed him on the outside, and Mick Foley or Cactus Jack then he got concussed and lost his memory. And so he's like I can't remember exactly, but he's like wandering around with no memory. Um and they're like, you know, the, they're trying to track him down, and you know it's like the, the kind of the investigative reporters at WCW because you know everything was presented that way back then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are trying to track him down, and um, that's my first memory of wrestling is that angle. And I still love that. That's my first memory of wrestling. And then you know years later, he comes to WWF as Mankind, mm-hmm. and I hated that character at first. <laughs> uh, because I was still young enough that even though I knew wrestling wasn't real, I was still young enough that I was, you know, like a mark for the faces and I wanted the heels to lose. But I hated he had the mandible claw, you know, where he'd like stick his yeah. fingers in your. Yeah, I hated that. I was like, that shouldn't be legal. That's what was disgusting. it? Socko, his, his little. That, that was down the road. When it first started, it was just like he had this, uh, um, like, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's, Sort of like a glove, but it's just this like kind of strap on thing that, uh, it, it went over two of his fingers, the two that he shoved down the guy's, you know, mouth. Um, and it just made it look like much more vicious, made it look like he had some kind of a, you know, stumped hand or something. I don't know, but, um, yeah, you just like going with that and like the whole logic behind it is you shove that down into the, the mandible, like into you know, your jaw. And there's all those nerves there. So causes, you know, pain and other horrible things. Um, it was years later that Sako came about, but yeah, I mean, his whole, his whole, you look at his whole career and like, you know, his, his cactus Jack days and then he comes and he's mankind, but he just, he was so good at continually reinventing himself and tweaking the characters and stuff like that. Um, that is, is quite something. Yeah, his his books. I've read all four of his that are like his wrestling autobiographies, mm-hmm. and they were all great reads. Yeah, he's written some novels, and I think he's written some kids' books. My earliest uh, experience with wrestling was, and this is probably before you were even born. I was a little kid, and I'd go spend the nights with my grandparents, my mother's parents, well, a couple of times a month, probably. 
I guess it's Saturday nights. My grandfather would go to bed, and I don't remember if it was like at 11 o'clock or midnight or something like that. The wrestling being aired from Dallas back in the days before like the, the big WWE and all that. It's like, like you said, it's just territories. And they had the yeah. Von Eriks and, uh, the Iron Sheep was there, Von Kabuki. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she, she, I mean, she wanted to watch wrestling more than I did. And she was like in her sixties or early seventies then. And we would, that's just like a little ritual, just me and her sitting up late at night watching the free birds were there. <laughs> um, oh, it's just so much craziness. Kabuki. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. The guy, he, he had this, uh, powder. He'd blow in people's faces. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And then my, I had some cousins that got, were into wrestling. They're a bit closer to your age. They were in, into the whole Hulkamania era. And then I lived with another one of them for a brief period during the like Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, period with the rock when he became famous and all that and and that's after that's kind of where i fall fell away from when he moved out i kind of fell away from paying much attention to it but it's good memories yeah, the, the the attitude era was when i stopped watching it um when you know stone cold steve austin came up because i was a big bret hart fan so i really hated how it's like bret got screwed over and then the guy who's the the bad guy is the guy everybody likes, you know, and it just, it drove me nuts. Cause like, no, this, this, this isn't right. <laughs> you know, uh, but it wasn't just that, but then like, you know, like the Montreal screw job happened. And, you know, at that time, you know, even though it might be kind of ironic because I was, uh, getting into high school, what drove me out of it was how, uh, how sexual and gross everything was getting. Like everything was getting very crude. Yeah. You know, a lot of sexuality getting involved. And it's ironic because I was right at the age where, Typically, I would love, you know, like, you know, young guys my age would love that. I didn't. I don't want, I didn't want anything to do with it. You know, um, yeah, I, I, so I, I started watching wrestling when I was, uh, a kid just like flipping around on TV and I stumbled across it. And then I figured out that if I went back to the same channel at the same time every week, wrestling would be on. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like literally when I first got the concept of that, that like, oh, hey, the same show's on the same channel every week, you know, at the same time. And I kind of started watching that way and I loved it so much. Um, we had a, we lived in a small town there were a couple of small video stores. Like there weren't chain video stores. And I would, uh, if I wanted a wrestling video, I'd find a way to scratch up some money for it. One of the, the best ways was for me to clean out my mom's purse for her because I don't know about your mom, and it is, is different in different eras, but at that time, my mom had this gigantic freaking purse. Uh-huh. And my mom was a smoker, so like cleaning it out meant like cleaning all the tobacco out of the bottom that like comes loose from the packs. And, um, like she, she smoked, she, she, uh, chewed double mint gum. So it's like her purse always smelled like double mint gum. And, uh, but yeah, just like take everything out, get all that tobacco crap out of there, throw all the trash away and, straighten up her purse and whatever change was floating around in there, she'd let me keep. And that was how I got wrestling videos. Most of the time was just scratching up chains like that. And, uh, we'd go down to the video store and I would watch anything. So, I mean, I was going back and watching old wrestling from, you know, quite a bit before I had started watching. Uh, I even tried UFC a little bit. Um, and, 
that was definitely not my cup of tea. Like I remember the the first UFC tape I watched, and there was a fight, and there was nothing like horribly graphic about it. But this guy like clearly got knocked out on his feet and fell back, and just his head thudded on the canvas, and it was just so real. I was like, that's like that's not fun to watch. It just yeah. you know. So that was definitely wasn't my thing, but uh, I would I would do any stuff like that to get you know the money to watch wrestling. And my favorite thing to rent was WrestleMania four because it was so long. It came on two cassette tapes, but it was only mm-hmm. one rental to rent it. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I watched a bunch of random old stuff that way. But then you know my cousin Mike, he's a huge wrestling fan, so uh, he he knows the ins and outs of. All of that stuff. And he's like, like an encyclopedia. I had a long talk online with him one night about wrestling, my early memories and stuff, and he knew everything and then some. He, yep. he knows everything. Yeah. yeah it's, he's always fun to talk to like that because uh, he does. He just, he's, you know, an encyclopedia of wrestling. Um, but it's great because I could be like, yeah, I want to watch something. And, He'll be able to find it and show me stuff. So, you know, it's it's like having a personally manicured uh, wrestling showcase when I want something like that. You know, um, one of my favorite memories actually of my grandma who passed away. Gosh, it's been quite a while ago now. It's probably been. So I've been married eleven years, so it's probably been twelve or so years since she passed away, uh-huh. and. One week, and this wasn't the week I was with her, but I was watching WWF Superstars on, you know, Saturday morning. And, uh, or maybe a Sunday morning, I don't recall. Probably Saturday morning. And Jeff Jarrett wrestled Aldo Montoya in a non, uh, uh, non-champion. It was a, an inter, intercontinental, he was the intercontinental champion, but it was a non-title match. So, uh, they wrestle and Aldo Montoya got the win. So they said next week he's going to get an intercontinental championship title shot, you know? And so I was excited about it, but I went and stay with my grandma. My grandma didn't watch wrestling, but I told her, I was like, can we watch this? And she's like, no, 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 no. I was like, come on, can we, can we watch this, you know? So she, she, she gives in and we watch it. And I just remember her getting into it and excited and like cheering for Aldo Montoya, you know, we're, we're hoping he gets the win. And, uh, he ends up losing the match. And, you know, afterwards she says, I, you know, she thought it was sumo wrestling because apparently my grandpa, uh, oh gosh, was it, it was either my grandpa or it was her dad. You know, I think it was her dad when she was a kid would watch sumo wrestling. And that's what she was thinking of when I said wrestling. And she would, she didn't want anything to do with that. But then when it was, you know, WWF wrestling, she got into that a bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's, that's always going to be one of my favorite memories of my grandma though. Yeah, I've got the same one with her. My, and I don't know if she, I don't know if she just liked the sport of it or if she just liked watching the Von Erichs run around in those little tight shorts they had on. I don't know which, <laughs> I don't know which it was. But I read, um, recently the first volume of DMZ by Brian Wood, which was pretty, pretty intense and pretty good. Uh, I don't know if you've got around to checking it out yet, but I, I, I just really loved the whole setup. I just love the more I read of his work, the more I love the way he goes about unfolding the story because at the end of the first volume, he kind of like flips things on its head as far as your perspective of who's necessarily the good guys and the bad guys. Um, he also interjects uh, in starve. He was really 
kind of promoted the whole idea of sustainability. Even like in an urban setting, you can be sustainable and grow your own food. And he puts that in, uh, in this book also because New York City is a contested area in this civil war the United States is having. Um, and the people there are just kind of left to their own devices while everybody's fighting over control of it and control of the country. And he, a lot of what he does, he just kind of unfolds a story saying, showing how people survive in horrible, horrible situations, despite, regardless of what side is right or wrong, it's like the people that caught in the middle, they still got to live. And it's, it's a, I look forward to reading more of that. Um, just a good book. Yeah. I read, uh, the first trade of it quite a while ago now. And I, on Hoopla, I downloaded the, the first, uh, deluxe edition. So that's, it's probably like two trades, maybe even three trades worth of material. Um, it's 12 issues. So I don't know how many issues were in the first trade, but that sounds like probably two trades. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it. I, I checked it out and I have it for a little bit longer. I haven't gotten to it yet because I've been trying to focus on reading East of West, but I'm going to have to jump over to this so I don't uh, waste the, the hoopla download. Uh, but I'll, I'll be progressing through that too because they have the, the whole series on hoopla so I can read through the whole thing. And I will, after I read uh, the first deluxe edition, I will take a break from that to read the second trade of Gideon Falls, which is available. Oh yeah. I haven't, I read the first trade worth of issues of Gideon Falls and I loved it. So I'm really looking forward to reading the second trade. I'm pretty much caught up on that series and it's just, you know, I love Jeff Lemire. That's no secret. We talk about how great he is all the time, but the real star of that book for me is the artist and I'm forgetting his name right now. I don't have it pulled up. Andrea Sorrentino. Sorrentino, yeah. It's just so good. So much going on with that. And I think that's an, I think that's a story that's in development for a TV series with uh, Dinesh's company, yeah. which is mm-hmm. pretty exciting. I like I, the last issue I read was such a, it really, what's the word? It's just, it was headed, I had a feeling it's headed to a certain place and it finally got to it and it's like, oh my God, this is, where, where is it going now? Cause it's a kind of a, pretty much a straight up mystery about pe- miss, missing people, uh, two sided, uh, with this one guy who's looking for these pieces. People think he's crazy. And then you got this other small town of Gideon Falls where people are missing and there's people are getting murdered and, uh, it's very exciting where he's headed with this book. Yeah. I just, the first volume was so good. It really sucked you in. And then the story starts to, to make a little bit of sense, but there's just so much that could be done. So like, you know, I mean, I think there's five issues, five or six issues in the second volume. And, uh, there's going to be some, I mean, every issue of the first volume was just, uh, left you surprised at the end. That gets pretty hard to do after that many issues. So I, I can't wait to read some more of it. Yeah. He's the, um, Lemire's the master of like this one issue being, a. it's not a complete story, but just one issue being enough for you to just read. And it's just like, dang, that's awesome. It's like there's cliffhangers. Yes. But in what happens in each issue is so, so good. And you get the cliffhanger, but you get the satisfaction too. Yes. Like there's enough meat to it that it's not just cliffhanger. 
yeah, that's exactly it. And yeah. and the stuff that Sorrentino does, like when he does these big like spreads on the on the pages, I kind of want to. I'm looking forward to read going back and reading it again someday just to see what little hints are in there because they'll highlight he'll highlight things with like the little red uh, squares, like little pieces of evidence you should like be looking at. It's just this is amazing, amazing series. All right. Well, I think that's going to about do it for tonight. Uh, getting late here. Had some stuff come up. We had some good conversation. You can find us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Who's Paul. Sparky's on Twitter at MD Sparkman. Uh, it's a good time talking at night, Sparky. It's nice to just kind of relax and chat a little bit instead of really our last few episodes. We've been so driven with topics that we haven't gotten to all of them this time. I felt like we just kind of meandered a little bit and it was nice. We hit about 12 different things. I kept a list. <laughs> <laughs> a shorter episode, but more jam packed. It's a good thing somebody's keeping track. All right, so we'll have, we'll call it a night, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Adios. That wasn't terrible. That was pathetic. Boo. <laughs>